Hello everyone, I'm Dave and it's good to be able to share with you in this final part of the series we've been going through called Different and the final part in this series going through the letter in the New Testament 1 Peter. And all the way through this letter, Peter has dealt with so many different things and we've been looking at it under this theme of different. He's called them to different lifestyles, to a different kind of hope, to suffer differently, to have different kinds of relationships, to view their own freedom differently, to be a different kind of church, all kinds of differences. And the whole way along, that the purpose, the emphasis on being different, being set apart, has been so that the church that he's writing to, the churches that he's writing to, would be effective, would be able to step forward into the things that God is calling them to and that he, through this letter, is calling them to. He doesn't want anything to get in the way. And so he's calling them to, to submit everything to God. And in this final um, uh, few verses, this final passage, uh, we see him actually handle a number of different things. We're going to be focusing in on one of them, but there's a kind of almost a scattergun approach as he finishes this letter. Don't forget this and also remember that. And as we look through this, we're going to focus in on one big theme around leadership, but there are a number of other things that tie in around it. So let's read the final passage of 1 Peter, the whole of chapter 5 together. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you, to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So in these final words that Peter has to write to these Christians, he starts off with a question of leadership. He starts off by writing to the leaders and the question is what kinds of leaders should there be within this church, within churches? What kind of leadership is it that God wants? What does different leadership look like? Today, in our world, in this country, there are questions about the kinds of leaders that we have as a nation. 
There are questions about morality. There are questions about whether leaders are leading for the right reasons. There are questions about self-interest. There are questions about opposition parties not really holding people to account. There's all kinds of criticisms levelled at those who are in our government, those who are in uh, leadership within our nation. I don't want to talk about that, but it raises the fact that that we care about leadership. We, we want our leaders to be leading well. And when people think they aren't, there's fuss. When people think that they are, it's encouraged. Elections are held so that leaders can be held to account. We, we have a sense that leadership is important. But what kind of leadership is it that God wants to, to, to be exercised, both within the church and beyond that? Because I think the things that, that, that are true of the church are true of God's heart for the world as well. And Peter begins by addressing directly the leaders, the elders within this context. And he, he, he encourages them and reminds them what their task is in verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. That's the role of an elder. That's the role of a leader within the church to watch over, to oversee, to, to care for and look after the flock, the people that God has given I want to speak directly to my fellow elders in Gold Hill and maybe church leaders from other churches who are watching this as well and remind you that your role, your purpose, the, the thing that God has called you to is about people. It's about shepherding. It's about leading. It's about guarding people. That doesn't always look easy because people aren't always easy. But it's about that. As an elder, as elders, we are not just glorified project managers looking after all of the comings and goings and happenings within a church. We are not just there to look after the finances of a church, although, of course, stewarding finances and shepherding people go together. But we are there for the building up, for the leading, for the encouraging, for the spurring on and for the protecting of people of disciples, that disciples may, 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 may exist within a culture and a context that encourages growth and encourages being spurred on. That is the task of a Christian leader, nothing else. It's not about building up a church or building up a re reputation, it's about leading people. And there's a few ways in which that can go wrong and Peter's aware of that. And so he reminds the elders in this case, but it's a, it's a good reminder for all leaders in all contexts, of reasons why they shouldn't be doing it, but instead reasons why they should. He says that, that they shouldn't be compelled, but because they are willing to lead. People should not be leading in church contexts because they feel they have to, but instead because they are willing and they are responding to God's call. It is not a case of, I have to because so-and-so has asked me, or I have to because I don't know who I would be without this leadership role. It's, it's part of who I am. I would be lost without it. That's not a good enough reason to lead. It's not, I have to because so-and-so has, has demanded it of me, or because I need to keep this person happy, or because it's expected of me, or because my parents want it, or my children want it, or my spouse want it. That's not why we lead. We lead because God has asked and we have willingly said yes. Otherwise, it can lead to being grudging in the way we lead, being bitter towards those we lead. They're making me do this and I don't want to. He's reminding these leaders to be willing rather than be coerced. 
then he says that we shouldn't be doing it for pursuing dishonest gain, but instead being eager to serve. This isn't about personal gain. You don't lead because of what's in it for you. You don't lead because of what you can get out of it. If that's the reason that you're leading, then I'd encourage you to stop leading or to take some time out. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. It's about being eager to serve and bless others. Otherwise, all kinds of things come into play that just shouldn't be in play. If we're, if we're leading in a way that's about what I can get out of it, then suddenly the people we're leading who have more, whether it's money, whether it's uh, fame, whether it's um, clout, whether it's popularity, those people start to become more important because they're the ones who can give us more of what it is that we want. If we're, if we're trying to lead out of dishonest gain because we think that leading is a good way to get rich, then suddenly the people who might be able to help us get rich become more important. And their voice is higher in our mind and we're no longer leading all the people. We're skewed. There's a dishonest gain that we're trying to pursue and as a result it skews and imbalances leadership. We shouldn't be anywhere near that as Christian leaders. We should be treating everyone equally. Leading everyone equally regardless of everything. Then Peter says not to lord it over people but instead being examples to the flock, being examples to people. Leadership is not about sitting back and bossing other people around. Leadership is about getting stuck in, getting your hands dirty and being involved, being a leader among people. Showing people what your life looks like. Showing people what your relationships look like. Showing people what your faith looks like. Not as a way of saying, look at me, I'm so great, but as a way of giving an example to others that they might be inspired and led on. Otherwise, if there's a kind of leaders sit back while everyone else does the work, it ends up creating a division and distrust and resentment, disunity among God's people. It's just not healthy. There are deeply unhealthy ways for leaders to lead. And there are deeply healthy ways. And Peter wants to make sure that the kind of leadership here looked different from the, from the authorities around that, that were just lording over and instructing people and, and, and looking out for number one. He's asking for leaders to lead in a thoroughly different way. But then he turns his attention not to the leaders, but to those who are following. In verse 5, we read, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, when he says, you who are younger, is, is Peter only interested in, in young people, in young men and women, and the way that they respond to leaders? And anyone who's over a certain age can respond to leaders however they want. I don't think so. In the same way that just because an elder is called an elder, it doesn't mean that they have to be old. I myself am a 32-year-old. I don't consider myself that old. I'm an elder, part of the eldership team at Gold Hill. And the elders that were appointed in the New Testament times, it wasn't a statement about being old in years. There needed to be a certain maturity in faith, which can sometimes come along with age. But it doesn't need to be physical, literal age. And he's contrasting the elders of the church with those who are younger. He's continuing the metaphor, continuing the image. He's referring to those who follow the leadership, those who are being led. And he says, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, maybe one of the other reasons he uses younger here instead of just explicitly saying all people is because he knows that one of the traits that younger people can have and can be known for having is that they can be less willing to follow. They can be wanting that sort of independent streak and independent spirit. And he's saying that young or old, that shouldn't be the heart. The heart when you are being led, when you are a follower, 
is that you would submit, that you would be respectful. And he's used this word in other contexts throughout this letter. We need to be informed by that. He said that we need to submit to authorities. He's talked about slaves submitting to masters. He's talked about wives submitting to husbands. And in all of this, it isn't a blindly following and never questioning anything kind of submission. But it is a submission that says, I'm going to assume the best of those who are leading me. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to blindly agree with everything they say. I'm going to question it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think critically about what is being said. I'm going to form my own view. But if you disagree with your leaders in church, including Gold Hill, if you disagree with us, if you disagree with me in the ways that I'm leading, in the things that I'm saying, I believe it is your responsibility towards us as your leaders to be respectful, to, to come and speak to us. Not just to say, well, I'm going to quietly moan about that or grumble or, or, or just ignore it because I don't like it. But instead to say, I'm going to submit, not in the sense that I will always agree, but I will always respect and I will always voice my disagreement in a helpful way when I need to. This is about all people choosing to play their role, recognising their role within a community and choosing to live that role out in the very best way that they can. Leaders leading for the right reasons and in the right ways and those who are following, not making that job harder, but instead supporting and encouraging where they can and being respectful in indifference where they must. But then Peter starts to talk to everyone. He's no longer talking just to leaders or just to those who are younger or followers. He's talking to everyone. And he says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. What is the thing that will keep a community together? Humility. Being humble. Humility famously has been said, it's not about thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's spending less of your time thinking about me, 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 and thinking more about us, thinking more about everyone, putting others' needs ahead of your own, thinking of others more highly than yourself. See, the worst kinds of leaders are those who make it all about themselves. This church is my church. I'm going to be possessive of this church. I'm going to make sure that I have the highest status within this church. I'm going to make sure that I have the biggest honour within this church. I'm going to make sure that everyone knows my name and everyone, everyone uh, knows what I think. And everything is about my views, my opinion, my, 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 my. That's the worst kind of leadership that you can have within a church because it is not humble. If ever you feel as though that's part of the way that I'm leading, please Come and talk to me because as a disciple of Jesus, I need to be rebuked and I need to be turned from that. Leadership that is all about oneself is not good leadership. Why? Because being possessive of a church you lead makes no sense because the church doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. It is Jesus's church and therefore leaders should lead humbly, seeking only to do what Jesus is calling us to do. And presenting that humbly and carefully towards those that we lead. 
But the flip side is also true. The worst kind of church members are the ones who make it all about themselves. See, a, a, a church member that says, this is all about me, is really engaging in community life, in church life, as a consumer, not as a disciple. This is about me. This is about my needs. This is about my desires. I don't like that, and therefore it should change. I'm not keen on this, and therefore it shouldn't happen. See, a consumer says, this is about what I can get out of it and whether I appreciate something. Whereas a disciple says, I'm in this, alongside so many others, and we are all for a common purpose and with a common goal pushing forward. And there'll be parts of that that I find delightful and wonderful and easy, and there might be, might be parts of that that I find more difficult, that I find trickier. But that's the nature of being in family. That's the nature of being part of a community. That's the nature of being a disciple. It's not primarily about you. It's not primarily about me. It is primarily about Jesus and what he is calling us to. And when we clothe ourselves with that humility, it becomes armour against all of those things that might otherwise get in and try and throw us off. Division and disunity and resentment. Leaders who are arrogant or proud. Followers who are rebellious and mutinous. All of those things are going to wreck the church, are going to wreck the community of God's people and are going to wreck our witness to the world. Jesus said, by this will people know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Love needs to look like humble love. Love isn't about us fighting. Love is about us championing and mutually submitting to one another within a community of faith. How do you engage with those around you? How do you engage with church life? How do you engage with those you lead? How do you engage with those who lead you? Do you see any of these things that Peter is warning against that you're thinking, I need to be careful of that? Do you see it in the ways that, that, that we lead and think, I think actually there's a challenge that needs to be made. If so, please make it. Make it respectfully. Make it kindly. Make it with not just your own opinion at heart, but with everyone's best interests at heart. How do you need to respond to this? How do we as a church need to respond to this in terms of our culture of leading and following? I'd encourage you to take some time to reflect on that. And if you need to open up a conversation, then please do. If you need to say to someone, I'm a bit concerned here, then please do. If you need to apologise to someone, then please do. Then as verse 8 picks up in this passage, we read, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All through this letter, Peter has given warnings. If your hope is rooted in the wrong things, then your hope will be put to shame. Have a different hope. If you... If your lives look the wrong way, if you're pursuing the wrong things, then there is danger and you'll be ineffective. Live a different way. If your relationships among one another, among your community, between husbands and wives, aren't looking the way that Jesus wants them to, then there's a danger there. Have different relationships. If you're so keen to cling to your own sense of freedom, then there can be a danger there. And you need to recognise that under God you are free, but you are not free from God's leadership and reign. 
need to have a different idea of freedom. All the way through, Peter has called people to, to, to avoid wrong ways of being and thinking, a wrong faith, in order for a different kind of faith that will lead them well, that will lead them on. See, each of those things, each of those things that Peter has warned against is an opportunity for the devil, our enemy, to get in. If we have relationships that are not whole, that are built on resentment or on power struggles, that is an opportunity for the enemy to attack. If we have a community that is turned in on itself, that's an opportunity for the devil to attack. If we allow certain wrong behaviours to perpetuate in our church, in our own lives, that is an opportunity for the devil to attack. See, all the way through there have been these warnings and Peter closes out his letter by saying, be alert about that, be aware of that. And then in verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is not unique to one community of faith. All of us are part of a spiritual battle and our defence needs to be a spiritual defence. It is one of clinging to God, it is one of faith, it is one of resisting that which is wrong in favour of that which is right. It is one of resisting the devil in favour of clinging and standing firm to Jesus. This series we've been going through, I believe, is a serious and important series, not just because it gives us sort of 10 top tips on how to live the Christian life, but because we exist in a spiritual battle and because we want to see growth. We want to see the kingdom of God grow. And that as a result of that desire, we need to make sure that certain things are in order, that certain things are as God wants them to be, that are different from the world. This question of leaders and how we respond to leaders is part of that. It can be an opportunity for the devil to attack and to completely decimate the hope of a church being fruitful and of moving forwards. We don't want to let that kind of foothold in. We don't want to let that kind of influence in. So we need to get these things right. If you're a leader and you think, I've been leading in ways that aren't right before God, do something about that. If you're looking at a certain leader and thinking, I've not been respectful or submitting to them in the way that this passage calls me to. Then I'd encourage you to do something about that as well. And then Peter gives this blessing, this encouragement. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And that's the, that's the close of the bulk of this message. Then he gives some greetings and some final words, but that really is the close. It's a call to stand firm because of God and the God of grace and what he has done. And he talks about a past, a present and a future. The God who called you. That's something that God has done. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, then God has called you. He's called you by name and drawn you close. Then he talks about the present, after you've suffered a little while. It's again that reminder that life will not always be easy, that there will be difficulties. That's part of the present reality. But because of our past being called by God and because of our future, that he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Because of that, we can stand firm. Our past and our future help us to keep going in the present. 
Can I encourage you in that? God is so good. God is great. God who has called you. God who has drawn you. God of highest heaven who cares for you. Wants you to know that one day everything will be restored. And that as a result, in the here and now, you can keep on going. You can resist those things that are trying to blow you, blow us off track. You can keep on going. You can keep trusting Jesus and you can draw near to him. Let me pray that that would be true of us. Lord God, thank you that you are good. Thank you that you want the very best for us. Thank you that you have given us patterns and models and ways for our community, for the family of God to to live and to exist and to behave. Help us to honour one another. Help us all to clothe ourselves with humility, that we may have good love, good relationship, good ways of doing things and ways of being. Lord, help us, clothe us with your power, love, mercy and humility. In Jesus' name. Amen.